Voices are exotic Dancers enter one by one Make love to all of your orifices In your seduction Hello and welcome to Ear Seduction. I'm your host, Paul Schilling. Finally, we've arrived. Today, we're going to introduce book two of the Bible 5.0, entitled The New Testament. By the end of this series, you will have all the information you need to answer the most pressing moral questions that you encounter. You'll be armed with all the tools available to humanity to identify your moral biases, to work through them, and finally, to come out on the other side reborn as an improved moral thinker. First, we're going to identify many of the failures in understanding to a sound and valid moral system. This section is called the Gospels. The Gospel, or the Good News, is that these issues have been solved by utilizing our evidence-based moral system, or if you prefer, by applying the Schilling Standard. After we cover the four Gospels, we're going to map out a detailed moral system that you can use to plug in to your moral questions and get sound and valid moral answers. This section is called Revelations, because these answers have been revealed to us through the hard work of the scientific method. Finally, I'm going to provide you with a short and abbreviated version of this moral system so that you can use it as a quick reference guide in your daily lives. Think of it as your pocket version of this series. It will be a version of this material that you can refer to when you're looking for inspiration, guidance, direction, and conviction. If you ever need a quick boost or an uplifting passage, or a sense of the security that your moral system is correct, then this abbreviated version will be there for you. Let's now go back over the topics we will cover in Book 2 of the Bible 5.0, the New Testament. First and foremost, we need to keep in mind our new mantra, the Schilling Standard. Do you remember what it is? Say it with me if you do. Do unto others as they would have you do unto them. If you recall, we first established this mantra in episode 7 of this series entitled Deuteronomy. This is our catchy phrase that we can say to people when they ask us questions like, where does your morality come from? Or what is morality? This phrase is the simplest version of an evidence-based moral system and the opening statement in our elevator pitch. Two other concepts that should be in the forefront of your mind are building human data sets and the moral continuum. Just as a quick reminder, a human data set is comprised of objective moral facts and subjective moral facts that we gather from humanity. These facts provide us with the foundation of evidence we require to ensure that our moral system is sound. The moral continuum is that straight horizontal line we discussed where we see suffering on the one end and thriving or flourishing on the other. The goal of any sound moral system is to move towards flourishing and away from suffering by utilizing human data sets to guide and direct us. With those concepts in mind, let's now walk through the high-level breakdown of the topics we will cover in Book 2, the New Testament. 
Before we provide any moral solutions, I want to address some of the perceived problems people have with morality and moral systems. These problems are largely based on a fundamental misunderstanding of the nature of morality, where it comes from, how it's evidenced, and what kinds of conclusions can be made based on the evidence. We touched on this briefly in book one of this series, but as promised, I'm going to get into the details here in book two. These first four chapters of book two will be called the Gospels. The first gospel will start with the problem of subjectivity and objectivity. On the one side, there are those that believe that morality is wholly subjective. They fail to see how objective reality imposes moral consequences and how our subjective experience is often in direct relation to our objective situation. While while it is true that morality has a subjective component that needs to be addressed, the folks that believe that morality is wholly subjective tend to draw false moral conclusions and in doing so end up supporting morally abhorrent situations. For a good example of this, please refer to Season 2, Episode 22 of Ear Seduction, entitled Moral Landscaping with Chris Shelton. There, you'll find my guests supporting all manner of morally suspicious conclusions. Just to be clear here, my guest in this episode is not a moral monster. He just holds the false belief that morality can be determined by any one individual or by group consensus. And that the morality they determine can be prescribed to another group without their consent. In this episode, he does a very good job of demonstrating that this moral belief is unsound and leads to immoral outcomes, even when being applied by a good and well-meaning person such as himself. On the other side of this spectrum, we have those that would claim that morality must be objectively referenced. There must be some moral arbiter to guide us or else we are all just stating our opinions. They would claim that our opinions mean nothing in a moral framework, and that this objective moral standard is the metric that must be met. How is this objective moral standard obtained? It's given to us by supernatural means. In other words, it is dictated to us by a supernatural being that isn't human. This claim that morality is wholly objective in nature fails to recognize a few fundamental aspects of morality that must be considered if we're going to establish a sound moral system. The first is that any sound moral system must be based on evidence. Also, that this supernatural being isn't human and therefore cannot be considered in a human data set. As we learned in Deuteronomy, the basic foundation of any moral system are the sentient creatures within that system and their objective and subjective moral facts. Moral facts that we then must compile into a human data set. Therefore, the most that a supernatural being could provide us is advice. That advice would still be subject to our human data sets and how it affects humanity. Thus, we ought to shed this unnecessary layer of complexity utilizing Occam's razor, and just get back to building human data sets, where our data is taken directly from those which we are looking to learn about and not some tertiary source. If you'd like to hear more on this objective moral position, please refer to Season 2, Episodes 1, 2, and 3 of Ear Seduction. 
There, you will hear firsthand the shortcomings um, of an objective moral system dictated to us by a supernatural being. This first gospel will lay to rest any obtuse notion of subjectivity and objectivity as they relate to morality once and for all. The next gospel will address the idea that morality is arbitrary. An arbitrary morality is defined simply as any decision made regarding behavior where that behavior is deemed right or wrong. Again, drawing from Season 2, Episode 22 of Ear Seduction, my guest believes that these moral decisions can be made independent of any assessment of the harm or benefit that it provides to humanity. So in other words, this morality is by fiat. Here, the moral system is proposed completely independence of any evidence. It just is. If we circle round to the moral system that I'm outlining in this series, we didn't go any further than our moral catchphrase. Do unto others as they would have you do unto them. To identify the fault in trying to implement a moral system based on fiat. This type of moral system represents the height of dictating morality from an ivory tower, with the only justification being that the dictator knows what is best. Full stop. By the end of this gospel, I'll completely demolish this notion of morality and invalidate it. I will demonstrate that morality is not arbitrary in this way, in spite of what you might read about morality in a dictionary. Furthermore, I will, I will provide one context in which morality can be considered arbitrary, but I think you'll find that I in no way concede any points to these false ideas I've described above. The third gospel will deal with the problems of wish-thinking, make-believe, and solipsism. These are all the same problem expressed in slightly different ways. Interestingly, all three of these problems seem to stem from the last problem we will be tackling in our fourth gospel. That is the problem of intellectual integrity, maturity, and the importance of becoming an adult. But getting back to this gospel, these three problems are very easily addressed with our evidence-based moral system. It should be no surprise to you that people desperately want their actions to be good. They never want to think of themselves as a bad person, and they especially never want to be held accountable for anything that they do that might be considered wrong or immoral. To further complicate matters, people that think this way often look for validation from others, and sadly, there's no shortage of supporters. So no matter what people think or how they act, they will often look to justify those thoughts and actions as moral by appealing to a group of people that agree with them. It should be no surprise that if someone accumulates a following based on their moral position, whether it is in fact moral or immoral, they are often gratified by this and encouraged to continue to propagate their positions. So, no matter how far removed people's thinking is from reality, it is often justified by how many other people believe the same things. This is, of course, completely incorrect. In this gospel, I will resolve these issues, falsify their claims, and provide a path forward to the truth. In the fourth and final gospel, I'm going to introduce the notion of intellectual integrity, intellectual maturity, and the importance of becoming an adult, quickly. As we gaze upon the current moral landscape, we notice a sea of positive claims. Some refer to this vast expanse as the marketplace of ideas, or think of it as competing moral systems. Still others consider these claims as worldviews, or modes of thinking. 
Many of the people that discuss these notions of moral thinking like to equate them as morally justified or correct. They may not adhere to some other system, but they would never claim that those other systems are in any way invalid or unsound, even if the two moral systems are completely incompatible and produce completely different outcomes. Furthermore, it is posited by many that all humans have the same desires and want the same outcomes. So while they may not be pursuing their moral goals in the same way, their moral goals are nonetheless identical. This is often stated in spite of evidence to the contrary. In this gospel, I will demonstrate that there are in fact both correct and incorrect moral systems, that we must engage in moral systems with intellectual integrity, and that integrity and maturity will provide us with the guidance we need to navigate our vast and complex moral landscape. No longer will we make exceptions for those that adhere to an immoral ideology, and no longer will we balk at the chance to condemn our past immoral behavior. Instead, we will take our place in line to accept our moral responsibilities, the responsibilities of our contemporaries and those of our forefathers. With the four Gospels complete in our minds, prepped and ready, we now look to Revelations. In Revelations, we gather our human data sets together and forge forward towards moral enlightenment. Revelations will be the chapter where we expand in excruciating detail on our moral methodology, the answers to our specific moral questions, set our moral guidelines, and establish our theories of morality and human rights. It is here that the rubber will meet the road. It is here that we will finally get to proclaim our moral prescriptions. With evidence as our guide, we can make these proclamations with confidence and relate them to our moral futures. It is here that we will plan out our moral path, with the goal of reaching a moral peak for both ourselves and those around us. By the end of this chapter, we will finally understand the nature of some of the most pressing moral questions regarding bodily autonomy, our right to life, our right to free speech, and our right to the truth. It will be in this chapter that we tackle topics of sexism, racism, and other forms of bigotry. Here we will identify our individual roles to play and how we are going to find our path through these human shortcomings through to the other side. It's there that we will shed our bigotry and build the human data set that demonstrates our consolidation with one another. This is a very exciting time, and by the end of this series, we will find ourselves in alignment with one another and in evidence-based moral system. From there, we can start to work together to identify where the system might fail, how to strengthen it, and how to start building more robust human data sets. It is my hope that after this series is published, I will be able to engage with guests on this show yet again, this time starting from a place of understanding, in an effort to further improve our moral positions instead of undermining them. In the next episode, I will dive into the details of subjective and objective thinking as they pertain to morality, specifically how they undermine moral progress and obfuscate the reality of moral facts. I hope you will join me. Thank you, and this has been Ear Seduction. <laughs>